Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to Chicago's Legal Latte, a series of podcasts brought to you by Lavelle Law Limited. Throughout this series, the attorneys from Lavelle Law will share their answers to questions about a variety of topics for individuals and small businesses. To participate in today's discussion, you can email us at podcast at lavellelaw.com. On more than one occasion over the years, uh, perhaps let's even say many instances, we've talked about estate planning on Chicago's Legal Latte. However, because certain aspects of estate planning are so critical, it serves us well to either maybe revisit those topics or take time to dig a little bit deeper than we did in previous conversations, which that's what we're going to do today. Hi, everybody. This is Jim Mitchell, and uh, today I'll be joined by Lavelle Law Attorney Ryan Gardner. And Ryan is one of those I consider really attentive attorneys who who knows this topic well and is well-versed on the various nuances and, and the critical factors that has to be covered for clients that he serves. We'll be talking about trustees and executors today, and um, there's so much to cover. I'm anxious to get to it, so let's do that. Ryan, thank you for being here. Nice to talk to you again. Thanks, Jim. Good to be here again. Uh, let's let's just jump into a, a brief intro to the topic to kind of set the stage. Now, in a state plan, there can be various components, such as a will or a trust. Just give us a quick explanation of the role of an executor or trustee as set forth in those types of documents. Yeah, sure. Thanks, Jim. So, you know, when when I talk to my clients, you know, many of whom have never maybe had a relationship with a lawyer before, they've never thought about um, the idea of estate planning. Uh, It can kind of feel overwhelming or it can feel, you know, morbid. I don't want to deal with it. But we all know everybody needs these documents at some point in their lives. Otherwise, they leave a tremendous mess behind for their family to try to navigate. Um, when, when I'm meeting with clients, one of the most important things we discuss aside from, hey, who's going to have ownership of the house or the, uh, the benefits of the bank accounts and things, it's who's going to be the, the person to make sure that your wishes are given effect, to make sure that the assets are distributed the right way, to make sure that everything is um, done under the, uh, of your wishes and, of course, under the color of law. So we call that person a trustee of a living trust or a revocable trust. We call that person an executor if somebody decides to just do a will. As, as we've talked before, Jim, the problem with having just a will alone is that your estate is required to go to probate. Everything becomes public. There's a six-month freeze on assets. It's expensive, time-consuming, and frustrating. So a lot of my clients go the trust route uh, to simply, uh, in a lot of instances, just to avoid probate. Our trustee then of the trust would be that person who holds the keys to the castle to make sure that the assets go the way that they're supposed to go um, based on what my clients uh, dictate under their trust. So that's the person who's really going to administer the estates um, or the trust. And as you mentioned, um, you mentioned that, you know, uh, the, the outcome of just having a will, but in, in either instance, if someone suddenly passes away or is rendered incapable, which is another option here, another opportunity where this might be necessary, um, without these documents, then it can really be chaos for the family, right? Well, <laughs> I have the uh, unfortunate pleasure of having to be in the uh, probate court on the 18th floor of the Daily Center all too often these days. Uh, and that's where, and aside from the family fights that we all see play out on TV or in the movies, just the administrative hassle of um, of actually just working through an estate to distribute it in a very simple way to, you know, three ways across the three children, it still costs thousands and thousands of dollars. 
there's at, at least six month freeze on assets. And that's where you see a lot of family relationships get strained and, you know, people have to come out of pocket to pay for a lot of these things. And, you know, like we always say, you know, you don't create a will yourself or you don't create a trust yourself. Fear not. The state of Illinois will do that for you. Most of my clients don't like that option. Yeah, you don't want to be in their hands at uh, at that critical time. So when you describe trustee and executor, as we go through the conversation today, are they essentially the, the same role, just depending upon the, the uh, document from which they're assigned? You got it, Jim. So, you know, ultimately, if we have just a will, then that's our executor. Again, not really my recommendation for clients because, again, we get back to the idea of having to probate through the court that estate. But either way, whether you're a trust. A tr- excuse me, a trustee of a trust and you're managing the assets or distributing the assets or you're doing so under a will as executor, you are a fiduciary. And as I always say, it's, it's really more of an obligation, not an honor. It's not glorious mm-hmm. to be that administrator of an estate or a trust, but it is a very responsible uh, position to be in. Of course, that person has to, you know, like we've been discussing here, do uh, do what is required of them under the law and under the document that gives them that authority to act in that role. But it, there's a lot of factors that come into who should be that right person. It may not necessarily just be, you know, mom or dad or brother or sister. You know, we, we look at, does this person have the financial wherewithal? Do they understand how to work with attorneys and CPAs and financial advisors and business valuation experts or real estate experts to get these uh, various assets passed in the right way? Do they have experience with any of this? Do they, are they competent? Do they have resolve? Are they going to be impressionable? If you imagine the situation, Jim, where we have somebody who is uh, managing the assets for a dependent child, whether they're under 18 or they're over 18, still in college, still trying to find their way, are they going to be, uh, is it easy for them to fall victim to uh, puppy dog eyes, if you will, somebody who uh, mm-hmm. saying, please, but my mom and dad are not here. Can I please have that new Lamborghini? You know, is, is, is that person going to fall victim to that? So, you know, we have some bias, some relationships, some fairness issues there, making sure that people are uh, understanding what their duties are, as I advise a lot of trustees as to how to administer a trust or executors on how to administer an estate. Um, do they have the availability? Do they have the time? Do they understand the responsibility? Um, it, every situation is different. You may have dependent children. You may have um, special needs children. You may have you know, a number of different issues that could arise that would require a different type of trustee or executor. And I walk through all that with yeah. my clients because it's a, it's a very big responsibility. Well, yeah, and it's, especially if you're working with someone who's doing this for the first time, maybe uh, young adults, uh, recently married, uh, maybe having kids for the first time, um, I, I assume that sort of the knee-jerk reaction from them is to go, well, let's let's pick an immediate family member. Um, and you kind of alluded to the fact that certain skills are required. Do you advocate for or against uh, using immediate family members, or does it really just depend on who the person is? Well, you know, the classic lawyer answer, right, it all depends. Um, for for mm-hmm. most of my clients, are, they are similarly situated to uh, the, kind of the situation you um, you set forth, which is, you know, they're, they're going through uh, estate planning for the first time. They just had their first, maybe their second child, and they want to make sure that, that those children are covered in the event that mom, or, mom and dad uh, you know, pass away suddenly. Um, in that case, sometimes we look to the parents, but then there's a consideration, well, they're a little bit, 
you know, older. They're in their 60s or 70s or maybe uh, late 50s. Maybe they're just not uh, financially savvy enough to be in that role or to have the resolve to say no to the cute grandchildren. Um, maybe, maybe it's somebody who is a brother or sister or a cousin, aunt, uncle, somebody um, who maybe is closer to their age uh, but is, understands the family dynamic and is going to do what's in the best interest of the, uh, of the beneficiaries of that trust, usually the children. Uh, periodically here on our podcast, I get to visit with Lavelle Law Attorney Ryan Gardner, which is something I always look forward to. He's a great contributor to the series. And in between, what I'll do is I'll visit his profile page at LavelleLaw.com. You can check out recent articles that Ryan has posted. And, you know, if you do that, you'll also find some of the past podcasts that he and I have uh, shared. You can just download those and uh, certainly uh, want to point you to that uh, when, when time permits. He's also very involved in several charities and organizations. You can learn all about that at uh, LavelleLaw.com. Let's picture this role now, executor trustee. They are, for whatever unfortunate circumstances, tasked with uh, managing an estate. Is it really, you know, I I think we we picture, I pull up the document and it says divide things this way, just take care of it and, and sort of dole things out. But it sounds to me like you're saying there's, times when decisions have to be made and sometimes those are, are difficult ones so this this takes on greater importance no that that's exactly right jim i mean you know for for my clients who are on the older side who have older financially responsible children they're all self-sustaining there's no dependency issues gambling drugs uh, alcohol dependency anything uh, to, of that nature and it may just be as simple as well good news we don't just have a will or they they don't they have some document namely this revocable trust is going to help us to ensure that everything can just pass equally and equals, you know, among the children. Uh, it's fine probably to just appoint, you know, uh, one of the, one of the children to do that. But if we have some other complicating factors, maybe we have some rental properties, maybe we've got some other real estate interests, maybe there's a business or two, maybe there's some other type of uh, asset class that is going to require some, some, some knowledge into how, how do we do that? Of course, we're going to give the trustee the power to delegate responsibility and to bring on other people to help them. But if we have any other type of maybe family dynamics or special needs issues or something else that could add a layer of complexity, we at least want to give a thought to whether that person is going to be able to handle that role as trustee to administer those assets. We always, of course, do we have to name an individual? No. We can name a, what we call a corporate fiduciary, Jim. That's somebody like a bank, a financial advisor, a CPA, uh, somebody who is familiar with administering uh, trusts and those types of assets that may, uh, may be in that trust. And that person can help us navigate the waters of, of distribution, allocation, and income and uh, any tax implications that could arise uh, from from the estate that we're left uh, that we're leaving behind, so we have some good flexibility and some good options there. But it all comes down to having the right documents that set forth these wishes and not leaving it to chance or, God forbid, the state of Illinois to tell you what's going to happen. Let me let me uh, ask you about a particular circumstance here, and you know, uh, someone responsible enough to go ahead and put these documents in place. But I, I envision. They get the document, and then they go over to a friend or family member's house and say, hey, by the way, I've uh, named you my trustee or executor. Go ahead and sign here. 
Uh, is that a little backwards? I mean, doesn't it make more sense because of the responsibility you're talking about to, to sit down with that person first and say, I'm thinking about assigning you this role and here's what it means. Are, are you up for it before you put the name on paper? Look, Jim, I think practically that's a great idea. I always encourage my clients to. A lot of them have actually had – I'm, I'm very encouraged because a lot of my clients have had those conversations uh, in anticipation of meeting with me because they know that it's going to come up. Some that haven't, and there's kind of a, a discussion between myself and the client, and they say, well, shouldn't I really be asking permission to name them? Uh, technically speaking, you do not need permission to name anybody. I have clients who will name, and I'll throw out a name, Chase Bank or BMO Harris, or they'll just name them. They don't need to ask permission from that bank. The same is true of naming an individual. I think practically it makes sense because you want to name people who are able and willing, but you don't, you don't technically or legally have to ask them. Now, let's say you do name somebody, uh, and when the time comes, they're not able or willing to act. That's why we always want to name at least one, if not two, backup successor trustees to act in the event that somebody is unable or unwilling for whatever reason, their own incapacity, their own death, or they're busy with their own lives and they don't have the time to commit to actually administering the trust or the estate. In that event, that person would simply just decline to act or resign, and it would flow to the next person that we've named as a successor trustee or executor. And with just a minute left, Scott, here, um, kind, of, kind of briefly, uh, if someone does come to you and ask you this to take on this role, um, and you're considering it, what do you anticipate? Do I say, look, this is going to keep me active for the next three months, six months, a year? These activities may take some time every week. I mean, what, what is the, can you generalize what the workload might be when you say yes? Well, again, you know, it, it depends on the assets that we have in the trust. It depends on the um, stipulations that we build out for the beneficiaries. If it's as simple as when I die, pass my assets to this charity and then the rest to my aunt, that's pretty simple. When we have something that has ongoing provisions for our young children, obviously there's a lot more work to be done there. It may be uh, weekly, it may be monthly, it may be daily. Uh, it just is going to depend on what we have in there. I have a lot of business owners who are clients of my gym, and you know they may want to have one person administer the financial assets in their real estate, and another person administer their business because they're the they're plugged into the business. So again, you, you can structure it as, as many ways as you can think of. It's all fully customizable, which is again something my clients like. Um, just never enough time, but it's a great deal of information today, and I want to let uh, Ryan Gardner get back to work at LaBelle Law. So rgardner at labellelaw.com if you want to follow up with questions. Give him a call, 847-705-7555. Certainly thank him for being here, and thank all of you for listening today.